When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to After Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin, except no sound Hello dear listeners, welcome to Achtung Millwall, the number one Millwall podcast broadcasting to you today on a fairly grey, dreary, not quite lockdown, not quite anything really, Friday morning. Um, we've got no football tomorrow afternoon. Millwall's game against Preston has been postponed due to a Covid outbreak amongst the Millwall squad and we're seeing games left, right and centre being cancelled due to similar situations amongst um, other clubs. It's all a bit of a bit of a pickle, generally, at the moment. Um, whether we will or won't see a more wide uh, kind of suspension of football, at least, who knows about wider society, we don't know. Um, we'll have to wait and see. But anyway, I thought it might be an idea to bring you one or two bits and pieces as it's... Um, we're going into a kind of a period of no football, and I thought we'd um, just pick up on a few bits that have come into the inbox of Achtung Millwall over over the the weeks and months. I haven't done one of these for a little while, so I thought it might be nice just to do a little bit of a pickup kind of show. Um, coming up later, we've got a conversation between our own Michael Avery and Sean Daly of the excellent Millwall Community Trust, one of the jewels in the crown of the club. Um, I've had it for a little bit. And I've been looking for a chance to to put it out as um, on on a show. So this is probably the ideal chance to to take. So we'll be we'll be going over to that interview later on. In the meantime, I thought I might have a little rummage through my email inbox and to say a thank you to everybody that's emailed me over the weeks. So I've not been the most diligent in replying. I apologise to each and every one of you. But I thought we'd pick up first of all with one of our regular correspondents from Mike Bissica. Big thank you to Mike. He actually emailed me in August, so it shows you the um, the, the, the service level agreement I have for response times. So I apologise, Mike. Apologise, everyone. Um, but Mike's talking about the Kent Cup. We covered the Kent Cup, which was a, a pre-season um, warm-up tournament that took place a couple of times in the mid-70s. Good little pre-season tournament. It had probably a bit too much competitiveness. It was played between uh, Millwall, Charlton Palace and Wimbledon. If memory serves, um, and it was it was it was kind of in the weeks before the start of the season to be about seventy four, seventy five, seventy six ish, and um, I think probably oh Gillingham, I remember one game uh, where Gillingham were included uh, as the Kent Cup, 
And um, Mike is saying here that um, we mentioned the Kent Cup and he remembers it being played in the 1960s. Um, I came to the club in 72. Um, I do remember it from the mid-70s. But Mike says it was played in the 1960s, if not earlier. He says it was always played after the end of the season, always against Charlton, and as far as he can remember, always played at Millwall. Uh, there weren't any preliminary games in this previous version of the tournament. Gillingham weren't involved. Uh, you would have thought they would have been as the only other league team in Kent. Um, we used to think it was a made-up competition as an excuse to get a game against Charlton and a few extra quid. That sounds very Millwall. Um, he also mentions Billy Gray, one of our managers from the past who we've mentioned on some of our previous history shows, about Billy not getting on with directors. Um, Mike remembers when Mickey Purser, famous chairman owner of the car showrooms on the old Kent Road, um, he remembers when Purser was chairman if we had a bad result or we weren't buying players, the windows of his car showrooms on the old Kent Road would mysteriously get smashed. Um, keep up the good work, love the podcast. And he likes Michael Hayden and the new lad today. I can't remember, that might be Ryan, I don't know. I can't remember which um, which show he's talking about. Because it's such an old message. Big thank you to, to Mike for that Kent Cup um, memory. As I say, I do remember it from the 70s. And I quite enjoyed it as a pre-season warm-up tournament. A shout-out, quick shout-out to Brett Marchant out there in Oregon. He's in the high desert of Oregon, as he messaged me. This is August. Going back a few months now, uh, might be a bit colder and a bit harsher out there now, Brett, in the um, the deserts of, of Oregon. Um, just a quick message to wish me all good health. Thank you very much, mate. That's that's wonderful stuff. And big shout out to our Oregonian lions and listeners in the USA generally, for that matter. This is one from. This is an ancient one. This is one from um, December twenty twenty. Blimey, this is my response time, dear listeners. Uh, one from Matt Richards, Matthew Richards. Hi, Nick. I've been meaning to drop you a line, but never got round to it till this Christmas New Year period. He's been listening for a couple of years to the show. He loves it. And to me, to Matt, I, me, listeners, me, am the rational, fair, balanced, reasoned voice of Millwall. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Um, I'm not sure that's always the best place to be, mate, to be quite honest. Um, but what what a compliment. Um, I'll claim that one. I am, listeners, I am the rational, fair, balanced, reasoned voice of Mule. I can almost hear the screams of abuse on various websites around there calling me all sorts of names, but I don't care. Um, he loves the love and passion of the show and my honest opinion. Well, again, not sitting on a fence can be, a pretty diff- um, can be hard sometimes. He loves the show, Michael, Aaron, and even Harry, all brilliant. Now, each of the boys on the show um, bring a different voice, and what I really like about the group that we've assembled, Michael, Harry, Ryan, Mike Hayden, Neil Fissler now helping me do the, the history shows, um, they all bring different voices and different opinions as a range, and um, you know, each, each of the, the boys are people you can talk to, and get an intelligent conversation from, and that's that's what I, I, I really, really like. Thank you to Matt Richards there for that, that email. Just a, a quick message from Jack Gibbons in Jersey. Um, it never ceases to amaze me, um, Jack, um, and also to his mum and dad, Paula and Bill, all based in Jersey, in the Channel Islands. Um, I, I suppose I should, you know, I, I kind of know it intellectually, but it never ceases to amaze me, the reach that the internet gives you. Um, including, you know, such diverse places as 
Oregon and um, and the Channel Islands. So, yeah, big, big thank you to Jack for that, and he sends his best wishes to me. Um, I'm on the mend, listeners. I mean, I've had, obviously, a pretty funny old year, one way or the other. Um, the heart attack that I had in, in June was a bit of a strange moment because um, leading into it, I'd had nothing. And then you go, you lurch one Saturday morning from being, you know same person I ever was and suddenly you go into a life-threatening position and then afterwards it's been a recovery and nothing since there are some days where it just seems like a really weird dream that I had did it really happen it, it did happen but um, it always has a slight sense of unreality anyway I've been okay since so far so good and as long as um, you know I'm, I'm able to do these shows I'll carry on doing them um, message here from Paul Larkin another US based listeners um, we, we must have mentioned the NFL and its um, uh, relationship with uh, money. Um, he makes the point, Paul, that um, the NFL, the, the American um, Football League, um, to keep its TV audience needed to be competitive, where all clubs could achieve success, and not like the Premier League, the contrast with the Premier League, having a few elite clubs taking all the success and the rest being make weights. Um, so all the essence of the NFL and, and for that matter I believe baseball and uh, I'd imagine basketball and, and um, NBA, MLB the hockey um, they, they have a system in America of um, a draft system so the best players go to the worst performing teams from the previous season so you don't get this build up of how should we put it, super talent at some clubs as against um, you know um, what we see now developing increasingly in, in, in um, European football certainly certainly in the Premier League where the, the money and the talent are concentrated in just a few hands um, clubs has, has a, have a salary cap Paul says to prevent rich owners from investing large sums of money in wages and the clubs with the worst record at the same point get the choice of the best players in the draft um, the, the, I mean the only thing I would say I, I agree and, and everything you're saying there Paul is, is correct Obviously, like all um, of major sports in the US, they are sealed competitions. You don't get promotion nor relegation. But the where no incoming clubs can become promoted to or from the NFL, they have um, you know for every now and again they have expansion franchises, which is slightly different concept, I think. But um, good point, and uh, and thank you for coming back to me. Um, it concludes his email because whilst it's not a perfect system in the US, probably similar to what I'm hand-fistedly trying to drive out there. There are many things in the Premier League that they could adopt to benefit soccer in the, in the UK. That's from Paul Larkin, based in, in the USA. Huge thank you to Paul for that um, that email. Message here from Kevin McGill. And I'm going to follow up on this, Kevin. I've had, um, this is um, Millwall's Irish Connections, Millwall and Irish Lions. Um, hi, Nick. Just thought I'd drop you a line. I've just finished listening to you on the Wall Talk, um, the club interview that I did. Um, brilliant interview and it's great to hear you on the opposite side of the mic answering questions and putting a, getting a different perspective of you and Mill. It was a strange experience but it was an interesting and I enjoyed doing that that interview but it's um, I don't want to be interviewed too often. Okay, I, I like to pontificate behind this side of the mic so to speak. Um, Kevin continues, my son and I are lifelong Mill fans and living here in Dublin it makes it difficult to get to the den regularly. Thankfully, there is Sky Red Button, which I, and I follow, which are fantastic. We get to see most of the games now, um, and he's hoping to get over for the QPR game. Um, so this was in uh, December, uh, early December, he sent this. Your podcasts are an insight into what happens 
on the pitch and around the club because one thing the TV channels don't give is a view from the fans' perspective. No, they, I suppose they can't really give. Um, we especially enjoy the match reports and the discussions after games. We do try and um, give a kind of a raw, raw um, expression of... Um, Raw, but it considered this, if you can have such a combination. Now, one of the things that, um, in fact, there's another follow-up here, um, another Irish listener, actually, Mark Uden. Mark um, uh, has, has emailed me. Um, love the pod, chaps, I love the pod, says Mark. Um, here's a thought or question. The history of Irish football players who have played for Millwall. Um, by far, by far. The biggest number of internationals that um, we have had in, in in a Millwall shirt have been Republic of Ireland and Northern Irish. Um, I'm, I'm trying to weigh up how to how to tackle the uh, the, uh, the, the 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 Irish links without um, straying too deeply into the the realm of um, Irish history. But if you include um, and some will be screaming at me now, so I don't mean to. But if you include Northern Irish and Republic of Ireland caps, then I think it will push towards two hundred international appearances for Mill players, but those two entities combined, entities is a mealy mouth word, isn't it? two countries, one country, I don't know, you can see how you can sink into them, the mire. Um, Mark says, it would be good to know why such a historic relationship exists, and should we leverage this angle more, e.g. to increase our supporter base further, come on you Lions, um, Mark is a supporter since the time of Anton a Tudakovsky, my first hero as a kid. Um, did he really have a glass eye? Um, he had a squint. I don't know if it was a glass eye, <laughs> Mark. Um, that's another, that's, that, that'll be another um, point. Maybe listeners out there can vouch as to whether he had a glass eye. I don't think he did. I don't think he did. Um, the question of the Irish question is an interesting one. Um, we, you know, as I say, if you include both islands, then you talk about nearly 200 odd international appearances. Um, David Ford now, I think, is our highest capped um international for republic uh 24 i think Damon dunphy very narrowly behind with 22 i think from memory but you've got shane ferguson playing for northern ireland with uh 28 29 and many others i do intend to um look into this because i think it's an interesting question much is made of the club's scottish origins and you know, the, the whole kind of um, dark blue and white and the salt tyre and all the rest of it. And many, many fans um, claim loyalties to, to Scottish clubs as well as to Millwall, to Rangers, let's, let's say it. Um, I'd, I'd never quite get my head around that, but anyway. Um, but actually, in reality, the links with Ireland, the Republic of Ireland particularly, are probably stronger than any other country, um, apart from England. Of course. Um, so it's an interesting question. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of um, delving. I'm, I'm thinking in terms of there being a big Irish community around the Elephant and Castle, historically. don't know if that still applies, but it certainly was um, historically. And the almost um, uniform familial links that we've all got, I think we've all probably, you can say this, all, pretty much all got a little bit of Irish in us, as Phil Linnett once said for Thin Lizzy. Um, somewhere along the line, anyway, since the um, you know the times of the uh, the mid nineteenth century, so that's an interesting question, Mark. Big thank you to Mark for that that question. I'm going to come back on that. I'm going to look into that. That's an interesting point. Shout out to Alex Mitchie who um, messaged me via via Twitter. Um, nice message, really nice message actually. Hi Nick, as you can see, I'm not the best with social media. Well, that's not a problem for me 
Alex, um, probably generation, simple, probably the same generation. Um, he's, we just wanted to say how much he's enjoying the podcast. Like you, I was born in 1960, so you boomer. And I've been watching Millwall since the 1971-72 season. A great team back then, says Alex. I enjoyed your podcast, The Name of Dunthy. Um, Millwall is a special, unique club, very much misunderstood by the establishment. I'd agree with that, um, Alex. Yes, I've witnessed the good, the bad and the ugly <laughs> over the years. Um, um, but I'm proud to be a supporter of this great club. Who can forget the scenes at Luton in 1985? Um, whilst that um, didn't go so well, the incident could easily have been another Hillsborough. Um, yeah, yeah, that was an interesting night, um, Alex. I remember um, we, we got there quite late, actually. We got into the ground, but I couldn't see a thing of the game. I know that we, we conceded a goal. I'd, I've never actually seen the goal, so I can never be bothered to look at it on, on YouTube because the crowd was so packed at that um, away end and there was fencing with people clinging onto the fence uh, so high you just couldn't see barely a quarter of the pitch. So, yeah, I was there. I could see the events, shall we call them. But um, play-wise of the game, I didn't really see much. I, I gather there wasn't much to see. Um, listening to your podcast have brought back many memories, as my dear old mum told Alan McCleary when queuing to get tickets for the Brighton away leg in the playoffs in the early 1990s. Once you're a Millwall supporter, you're always a Millwall supporter. Um, I, I agree with that, Alex. Um, and he sends me his best wishes um, for health. Thank you, Alex. That's lovely. Please, you know, I, It's lovely to get these messages. Um, and every now and again, I do do these little roll-up shows where we can read some of them out. So um, do, do, do message me. It's lovely to, to hear from fans. And do leave us messages on the voicemail they always always go down well um and just one final one just before we close on this bit um message from australia jamie mack talking about this show that i did yesterday with neil andrews about the uh, north american soccer league um jamie says fascinating show he was talking to his lawnmower man who does his his holiday home in australia and he was telling me the story of how he toured the usa with the australian national team during the time of the nasl and was marked out of the game by Beckenbauer. What, a, what that would that would be wonderful story, James. Um, similar story. How you got the, uh, the 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 different kind of um, community groupings in football out in America at this time. His dad and um, the, 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 this chap were Italian, and the local soccer manager knocked on the door the day after they arrived to sign his son to the local club on the basis that imported kids from Europe were far better than those those. Um, Local players. Oh, these are Aussie Aussie clubs. In uh, he's talking about here. I've never played the game before. Surprising what you learn when you take time to listen to other people's stories. Says Jamie. I dare say he's going to hear plenty more with a smiley face. Big thank you to Jamie for that. Um, thank you to everyone who's messaged me. Um, we're going to take you over now to the interview that Michael did with Sean Daly, and we'll be back after the break with that. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Achtung, Mehlball. So, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, listeners, to another Acton Extra in partnership with the Mill Supporters Club current sit-down with interview range. And uh, and for this interview, we thought we'd try something slightly different. Normally, they are visuals on the website, which we will get this typed up as well. But we thought we'd actually sit down and have a proper chat with Mill Community Trust uh, CEO, Mr. Sean Daly. Sean, how are we? An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. No, thank you very much, Michael, for inviting me. No, I'm really good. Yourself? Yeah, no, no, brilliant, brilliant. And we were just talking off air about how, how well the trust is doing and some of the other teams. So we'll um, we'll, we'll touch on that for the listeners we're recording. But I know we spoke to you last season as part of these sort of Acton Lionesses uh, chats, but this is more to do with like the MCT and how the stuff you do behind the scenes in line with the articles we do. So so just, uh, just tell us, Sean, because when we last spoke, it was a bit tricky with the restrictions in place, but... You seem to be thriving now. Now the restrictions are lifted, and, and it's a bit busier, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, it was uh, you know lockdown was a bit of a shock for everyone, really. You know, we we've gone from like a massive face-to-face organisation to shut down and didn't know what we we're going to do. But for us, I think the pandemic was a great time for us to relook at the trust. Um, we met partners that I don't think we'd have ever met, you know, if we, if there was no pandemic. So you know, the work with the NHS. Uh, food banks, uh, stuff we did with the councils. So we totally changed our model and looked at what we're doing. Uh, we're lucky enough we've kept all the staff where, you know, a lot of trusts had to make people redundant. Yeah. We just cut, cut our cloth, um, re-looked at what we were as an organisation. Um, I'd only been in post really as a CEO since that October. So literally, you know, four months later, we're shut down. And I, that gave me a chance to look at the business model and just say, look, what 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 is what are we about as Millwall Community Trust? And then we just went from there, really. We just set about getting the SLT in and saying we've got a great opportunity now to rejig the community trust, do some unbelievable work that we get recognised for, which is what it's really about. But then to sort of say, what's our focus going forward? And now we're, we've opened up, and uh, we're, well, I would say we're nearly back to normal. You know, St Paul's is busy. The Lions Centre is not as busy because of COVID, and it's inside. I, I've thinking about the safety of uh, staff and participants. So that's probably running about 85% capacity. But we've opened up some new programmes, you know, like our AP programmes got very big, our alternative provision, our NCS programmes got big, our football developments reopened. So the pandemic, I know, is terrible, but it gave us an opportunity to relook at the trust. Yeah, yeah. And and when, when times are like that, you need to take as many positives as you can really can't you so we'll talk back to when you just said there ironically it's our second question about when you were appointed um as the ceo in october 2019 you, you had a spell with um those down the road charlton athletic community trust and you was their head of football uh, development how, how did the move from charlton to millwall will come around and what was the main aspects of your previous role that made those at millwall think you you were the right man for the job 
Uh, it weren't a spell, Michael. It was about 22 years. Yeah, I wouldn't say that was a spell. Yeah. Um, I'm being polite, Sean, for the listeners who are obviously younger. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that as well. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it was... Um, I sort of I started at Charlton when the Community Trust very first started, so there was only four of us. Uh, and the beast of the Community Trust at Charlton grew to, like, 80-odd employees... So it's massive. And, you know, I was at the very beginning. Um, but I always wanted to become a number two or a CEO. Um, and I got to like 22 years and I worked at the academy as well at the club. Um, and it got to those 22 years where the community trust was really changing at Charlton. It was becoming a more of a corporate. Um, and people above us were coming from other clubs. So I, I felt that there was going to be a, gr- a glass ceiling at some time. I wouldn't be get, get the opportunity to become a number two or a CEO at, at Charlton. Um, I knew the old CEO at Millwall and I'd done some work with him and he just tapped me up one day and just said, look, I've got a number two job coming up here. Would you be interested in coming over? Um, and Ch- Millwall's always been in my heart. Like, um, you know, I'm a Millwall fan. Um, but of course, when you work for an organisation, like another football club, you adopt that their, their football and you become fabric of the club. I thought long and hard about it before I... Um, before I um, come over. Because, you know, family, been there for 22 years, part of the fabric. I could stay there for probably another 22 years and nothing to be said. But I wanted yeah, a challenge. Yeah. Um, and I came over. Um, it put me in good stead because I, I just looked at Millwall and looked at Millwall and said, the trust is where Charlton were 10 years ago. But we've got different problems and Millwall should be at the top of a community trust. You know, and they don't get the recognition for what they're doing. So I took the opportunity to come over. Um, the old CEO has said to me, look, I'm going to be uh, leaving in probably three or four years. I'll get you ready to take over. So I thought, great opportunity to come over. Three months later, um, I've gone as interim CEO. Um, but I never looked back on it as well. Um, you know, I had 22 great years. Every day I loved at Charlton, but I've loved every day here. I loved every day. And I've got that opportunity to form the trust around what I think the club is all about, the people, the community, the supporters. I just think we've, we've got a great opportunity to show the impact this club makes. And, and that's what I'm, I'm really here for now. Yeah, and, and, and those who know you well, Sean, they'll, they know the enthusiasm you've got for the local area and, and the club, as you say. Um, I'll just I'll just sort of skip us over because I was going to ask if you was a Millwall fan in the next question, but you've obviously said there that you've got a you know sort of close to your heart. But prior to like joining Charlton and around those times, well, you'd worked around the world. You know, you'd been in the US, China, looking in your biography, Spain, Holland. You've you've been everywhere. What what were those experiences like? And how did they sort of like mould you into the person you are? And you know, obviously where you are now. Yeah, I mean, the American experience was unbelievable. I went out there for six years. Um, I went out there as a coach. Uh, just to do the summer camps out there. I had a friend who got me out there. Um, within two weeks, I was offered a contract at one of the MLS teams at Tampa Bay. And I had six great years out there working with the under-16s at an MLS team. I just loved it, different culture, uh, different people. Um, I was independent. I was on my own. Um, and I just built great relationships. I learned from lots of people because there's some great people. And then... When I came to Charlton after that, we became a worldwide brand, you know, and so I ended up, we had um, 
Zenzi, who was the uh, Chinese captain. So I ended up going out to China, doing some work uh, for there in the name of Charlton, but for his club out there. Um, we went out to South Africa 10 times to help up set community trusts out in South Africa. So I went all over the world, but I just, it gave me an insight to the impact that football has all around the world. Um, you know, from working in the townships in, in South Africa to seeing young people with nothing, but their big thing was getting together and playing football. From America, seeing like, you know, it wasn't their chosen sport. It was probably their fifth sport. And the impact of commercial coming in there, you know, the Nike deals and all those sort of things to sort of like get football up at the forefront. But it just it grounded me and gave me another aspect of what community and what football could do. I mean, I love South Africa, you know, to work in those townships 10 years in a row and then the year before the World Cup coming, it was, it was just unbelievable. Yeah, I can, I can imagine what it was like out there because it, it was a huge deal, South Africa, in the World Cup, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, so um, just just to go on now, so since since joining the trust, as you said, um, you know where where you thought it was and how you wanted to build it, it really has gone from strength to strength, and and it's a real focal point in the community now. It, it does so much good work. Uh, are you are you happy um, with how it's grown in your time and the profile? Because I mean, I think if you're a Millwall fan, and not speaking disrespectfully to those before you or, or a few years back, but I think you really knew of the trust and the community schemes if you were part of the club or you as a fan. But since you've been involved over the last couple of years, it really seems to have been a bit more well-known. Everyone seems to know what the community trust is doing. Are you happy with that at the moment? Uh, I'm, I'm glad the, the recognition we're getting, and we should get it, because I, I just think collective as a club, we do so much work. You know, the fans, the poppy days, the supporters, we do loads. And I just don't think the club ever got the recognition it does. And we're going to grow. We're going to grow. And, you know, one of, one of my things is that I, I want everyone to know what we do, just not here um, as a, in Lewisham and Southwark. I want everyone to know that the impact we make as a, an organisation to the young people around here. Yeah, and I think we've got yeah. some great, exciting times coming for us at the moment. You know, with the development of the, the stadium here and the possibility of us going into Kent, uh, with the new training ground, it opens up us another market, another way we can take our community trust in and make impact in those areas. Um, but I don't think I'll ever be satisfied of, of where we can go because I, I just don't think we get the recognition as a, as a club that we should. Forget the trust as a club. Um, and I'm just going to keep knocking on people's doors and reminding them of the work that Millwall does as an organisation. Mm, of course, absolutely. And... And I was just going to sort of touch on some of the stuff you've done here. So even during the pandemic, you, know, you organised Santa runs, you donated items and presents to the NHS and patients at local hospitals. Um, even one day, I mean, we was involved in it, wasn't we, on, on Christmas Eve, yeah. you know, the day before Christmas when everyone's indoors. We're, we're all there on behalf of the trust helping out. You fed families during the pandemic who struggled. You relaunched football and other sporting initiatives for all different age groups and backgrounds. And you also work closely with with the Lions Food Hub. So how important are these events to you and, and those at the MCT? Because, I mean, I know you say there you want the recognition and some people would not see it as a tick box, if you will, but it's that sort of corporate responsibility, isn't it, that some companies have to do. But how passionate are you and how important do these mean to you? Um, I'm, I'm always going to be passionate about the people in our area. You know, um, we haven't charged anyone to come on our camps for two years. 
Um, and we've gone out and got that funding and we fed those young people on our camps because they, they are young people that are going to be our future. Um, so I think it's important that as an organisation, we, we have that responsibility for, for those young people. Um, it's not a tick box on our thing. You know, we, we've got young people here. We've got families that they, they need the brand of Millwall. They need us to support it. And we're in quite a privileged um, position. You know, we're a professional football club. Um, and we've got to be seen to go out there and support that community because they're going to be our future fans. They're going to be our future leaders. They're going to be the future people that run those companies. Um, so I'm going to be so passionate about how we can support those. And I'm going to make sure that anything that's done in the community that we can do, we'll be at the forefront trying to do that for them. Yeah, and exactly. And I think you're, like you say, you're in such a good position. And and even though you say you want the recognition, you, you can tell you're doing this because you want to help people as well, Sean. So, you know, that's great to hear. So... A little yeah, bit more... I, don't think, I don't think it's the recognition the trust wants. I, I think it's the recognition the club wants. Yeah. Know? For yeah. me, for me, it is, and I'm happy to say this, is that, you know, we, we do get a bad time in the press. Mm. We get, you know, as a club, we get a bad time in the press. And I want to make sure that the club gets the recognition they deserve for the work they do off the pitch. We do so much as a club, you know, during the pandemic, you know, not many people, you know, mentioned that all the PPE that was stored for the London hospitals were stored here at the stadium you know the the club put up vaccination centers at the stadium we don't get that sort of recognition you know but anything that's uh, that we do get recognition is it isn't always good yeah it's, it's, it's never positive and i and, and i agree I've, I've, i know you quite well sean now and then some of the work i see you do you, you think most other clubs and um, with all due respect would, would probably get a lot more sort of not, not even praise as a kind of backslapping thing or, or something to use um, for personal futures, but, you know, the, the work you're putting in and that more people get recognised for it than we do, so I have to agree. So just just to touch on some bits, some of the other um, areas you work with. So so the MCT does work closely with the supporters club, Mill Sports Club, and you also have an involvement um, and help run the Mill Lionesses and, and not also you, you help with the Mill Romans as well. Working with these outfits, and with regards to the latter two, we were doing superbly. I mean, Mill Lionesses recently, at the time of recording, have just lost out in the FA Cup, but it's the first time they've made the FA Cup first round since they've relaunched. And the Millwall Romans, I mean, what can we say about them? They they seem to win every league and get to the final of every cup competition they're in, and they've just started a second team, haven't they? So how, how does it feel working with these um, outfits and, and the supporters club and um, being part of their recent successes? I think I've... I've... I've tried to build relationships up with um, the people that can help the community. And I'm trying to make sure that our projects and the work we do reflect what our community is. The Lionesses, you know, we've, we've got girls football going on from an age of 12 up to 16, 18 years old. And we need an adult team for an exit route for those, those young players. So the Lionesses for me was, you know, something that we are involved in. We're trying to create opportunities for people to play sport. So I've got to make sure that everyone we work with has that opportunity. The Romans, um, it was something that we did at Charlton when I was there. Um, it's a natural natural fit for us as a club um, because it reflects our community. You know, So I just want to make sure that everything that we do is in line what our community is about and giving people those opportunities 
as a professional club, we're in an opportunity to do that. Supporters Club have backed me on everything I've done. I mean, um, I think it was last Christmas, they funded all the holiday camps for the children and fed all the children. We were doing about 300 children a day. Um, I can literally pick the phone up to anyone at their supporters club and say, look, I need your support on this. And they come forth straight away. Um, you know, like the Santa Dash, you know, that will be run in conjunction with the supporters club to raise funds for the community trust. We're going to be sending people out to, um, um, to Africa next year to help build um, a school, again, in conjunction with the supporters club, because they all buy into the work we do. So those relationships are very important to me. Excellent, excellent. And and you can actually see as well with, with the Romans um, in particular, because obviously there's a link with the Lionesses, a historic link, even even a few years back when it was in the Championship, there's the link with the RTC and the Mill Support Club, our Mill fans who obviously want the best for all the club. But the Romans are a, a relatively new um, concept, if you will, for the club, you know, inviting them in-house. In, in but they've absolutely flourished, haven't they? And, and for a team, they were originally based in North London, originally, weren't they? Yeah. So, so, to, so to come sort of south of the river, outside of their roots, if you will, and just sort of re-put those roots back down here and really the way they've grown is unbelievable. And it, it feels like, in the nicest possible way, it feels like they've been a part of the club forever, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and when you talk to them, they, they've so much love being part of the Mill family, you know, um, and they train the same time as the Lionesses. So they're beginning to build a great relationship with other other teams within our organisation. But yeah, and you know, the feedback that they get from other organisations and the coverage they've had through like national newspapers and national presses is great for us. But they they just reflect what the club is about, that inclusivity, that playing, that enjoying enjoying it's, it's just they're great yeah no, and they're a great bunch I, I went to watch them play against Charlton didn't I, a few few months back and, and they're actually a, a really good team as well um really really I'd actually encourage those if if there's any listeners who who are local or you know if they're on their way to a Lionesses game and they get down to some balls early or if they want to hang around after the game for, for the Romans game you certainly won't see a bad game of football with me or Romans that's for sure um just to touch on as well with with the MCT, what what would you say has been, if you had to pick one, so sorry, it's tricky, what would you say has been your proudest moment? I think I think I summed it up when I first when, when we first talked. I said, I enjoy every day that I come in here. So every day just coming in here, I'm proud to be in charge of this this trust. Because um, for me, it's, it's not a dream come true, but it's something that I wanted to achieve. So I wanted to become a CEO. And to become a CEO of the, ch- the club you support, and then to try, then to make impact in the community, I think that's going to be every day I come in. I'm proud to come in because I I know that my staff are doing so much great impact in there. So I don't think there's one thing that I could I could say, but I think just every day coming in here. Yeah. I know it sounds a little bit cheesy, but it's I, I'm so proud of the work that the the lads and the girls are doing, and it changes every day. You know, every day is a diff, something different happens here. Or, or something else is another bit of impact somewhere. So, you know, but then, you know, the work that was done with the NHS during COVID, I think was unbelievable. Because um, at the one at that time, we were the only club that was actually embedded with the NHS, working out of Lewisham Hospital. Um, I think the Romans coming over to us was like some great thing. There's been loads of, loads of great achievements, the trust has come, and hopefully more. Yeah. 
brilliant. And and where, where if in an ideal world, you know, sort of money was uh, unlimited, if you will, where 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 can you see or where would you like to see the trust being in the next five to ten years, Sean? I think it sounds like a job. It sounds like a job interview. There, sorry, mate. It does. Um, well, first of all, let's get the Premier League because I'll be at, then money will be no object if we get in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, I just think that. It's going to be so exciting. The next couple of years, as a club, it could be very, very exciting. Um, with us going out to Seven Oaks, our community trust will expand. We'll still be here in Lewisham and Southwark and doing the great work, but I think then we're going to go to a different area. You know, we're going to we're going to lift the community trust and have a community trust here, but have a community trust in Seven Oaks. Different needs, different people. So I think that's very exciting. And then have a base in West Kingsdown and put out all our community work into Seven Oaks and see how the fan base grows from there. So I think that's very exciting. But yeah. I think also exciting the development here. You know, if, if the stadium gets built and the units get built round here, 4,000, 4,500 units, more people coming into the area, more demand for the trust and the club, I think it's so exciting as a, as a club. You know, if you think, if you talk to other clubs, they haven't got that vision that could happen to us. Yeah. So we're probably like a little club that's ready to explode. Um, and I'm just thinking how big the trust would be when we go to, to Kent. You know, we're going to appoint our first Kent officer um, to start work on the 1st of January. Oh, excellent. And, he, and that officer will be working in Kent, actually doing the same projects that we're doing here, but sort of getting ready for when that training ground's built. You know, and that training ground's built, we have a a community trust over there so I can, I can only see it just getting so big yeah. if everything if everything comes off us I can see it and the thing is as well even though you've got some Millwall fans who who in the nicest possible way you know they like to keep the club in Bermondsey they like to keep the club in the Lewisham area Southwark area it's like you say it's if, if people if you realistically want to grow as a club and you realistically want to be in the Premier League and, and you want to hit these heights and do well there is going to need to be some change, isn't there? And, yeah. and when you look at the surveys, with all due respect, and I know it's a little bit of a joke on 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 Twitter when it's the whole Kent Wall thing, but a lot of the a lot of the fan base is based out there. So even though you may be moving out there or doing some community trust work out there, yes, you're doing it in Kent, but you are doing it for Millwall fans. Yeah, yeah, and it won't stop what we're doing here. You know, this will, the work we do here will continue. That that won't stop. It will just mean that now the people that are based out in Kent will see the impact that Millwall are doing out there. And, mm. and there'll be different needs, you know. The needs of Kent will be very different from inner city, Bermondsey, you know. It's yeah. going to be very different. Um, so, again, the model of the Millwall Community Trust may look different out there, you know. We start running in holiday camps out in Seven Oaks and out in Kent. Who says we're not going to find the next Jed Wallace out there, you know, because we've never had that sort of opportunity to go out and do that sort of stuff out there. Um, you know, and there's going to be needs for a football club. There's no actual football club other than Gillingham in Kent and they're sort of only stuck in Medway so why not go out there you know and then we start running fans into the new stadium from Kent you know we've become a, a big club yeah and, that, and that's what you need so so just finally Sean um, last message um, what's your uh, oh, last message last question say what's your message to the fans who, um, who have supported the trust over the years um, not necessarily just through Covid but those who have you know really helped out with your with your events and the volunteering and that kind of thing. What, what do you want to say to those fans? I'd, I'd love to thank them for all their support. In, in all the time I've been here, I think this the fans and the supporters of the Trust is what makes us. You know, they drive us 
uh, to make change in the area. Um, and they support me all the way, not, you know, not like volunteering and, and finances, etc. But they've just been there for everything I need. You know, I've got a supporters club that I can literally go and knock on the door and they'll be there tomorrow to help me. You know, anything I need done. So I'd just like to thank everyone for that and, you know, help us grow even further. Because I, I think we've got an opportunity as a club, not just as a trust, as a club, to be a big beast in this area um, within the community trust and within within Kent and within South London. And, and I think that's a great way to leave this interview, Sean. So I'd like to say thank you for your time. Um, really appreciate coming on during your lunchtime. I appreciate how busy you are. You know, you're you're the you're the big cheese, aren't you? The the trust. So it's difficult to find time to sort of pin you down. And and on behalf of the sort of Millwall fans and and actor Millwall and listeners, just just thank you for all the work the trust has done over the last months, years, sort of decades kind of thing, because it's really, really good work. Um, the direction it's going in, some of the other projects you're involved in, you can see how it's helping the community and it's making like the lives of a lot of people in Lewisham stuff a lot better. So thank you very much, Sean Daly, for your time. And on that note, I will um, I will bid you adieu, dear listener. Arriba Dirty Millwall. Thank you very much, Michael. Achtung, Millwall. Huge thank you to Michael and to Sean Daly for that, that great interview. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this mashup show. It's a bit of everything. I mean, I've, I've done no notes or prelims or anything. It probably shows as I'm talking. I'm ad-libbing it whilst I'm watching the cricket go badly for England on the telly. Um, hope you've enjoyed it. We're going to do another show later today with the chaps to try and assess where we all are as we head into this lockdownish feeling. Christmas periods, um, no game tomorrow, with next game scheduled to be Boxing Day, um, whether that will take place or not is um, open to question, listeners, we, we, should, we shall see, um, I'm kind of um, pessimistic for the moment, I think that the there are so many games being postponed at the moment, that, that game against Swansea on Boxing Day looks um, a long way off at the moment, anyway, we, we shall... We shall see. Um, thank you for listening to this mashup show. Uh, I'm going to sign off for now. And um, until the next show, which hopefully won't be too far away, it's Arrivederci Millwall. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Aston Millwall. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. Arrivederci Millwall. Till next time. Who do you want to watch? <laughs> 